Well, good afternoon. It's Thursday in Harrisonburg, and we're a couple hours away from basketball tonight in Williamsburg uh, for JMU and William and Mary. But we're here with Shane, the beat writer for the Daily News Record, covers both the men and women at JMU. Shane, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. How about you? I have to I have to tell the audience about your Kansas City Chiefs hat. <laughs> That's probably the most important thing. So yeah. you have obviously roots to the Chiefs. You're not jumping on the bandwagon here at the last minute. No, no. I've I've liked the Chiefs my entire life. I've not. I was more of a Royals fan. I got to admit, I was more excited a few years ago when the Royals were winning and getting into the postseason. That was a bigger deal to me. But if I'm going to be cheering for Kansas City again on not this Sunday, came two weeks in between, it just it's always been too much to me. But well, uh, it is it is kind of nice that there's some new new blood this year. Um, my wife is not a football fan, so I, we were watching the games over the weekend while we were snowed in West Virginia, and I had to tell her that one of the first Super Bowls was. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers, right? So we almost yeah. had a repeat. Yeah. That was – I'm trying to remember. That was Super Bowl One, right? Or was that Super – It was one or two. Yeah. I'm giving away my age. I won't say what year that was, but it was a long time ago. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, well, congratulations in advance to your Chiefs. And, and they actually have a couple of uh, connections to, to Virginia school. So, we, you know, we'll hopefully mm-hmm. be looking at that a little bit later. Yeah. And uh, – TJ Eck from uh, Channel 3, we'll, we'll shout out to him, too, because he's a, also a lifelong Chiefs fan. He, he didn't grow up in the Midwest like I did, but uh, somehow in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, he adopted the Chiefs at his team. So he's not he's not a bandwagon jumper either. We've been talking about the Chiefs for a couple of years now. You know, I think that is cool. I have seen people on Twitter who said, I am a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Yankees, <laughs> the and it's like... How did you root for all these teams? <laughs> we know why, because you're jumping on the bandwagon. So yeah. anyway, but it is nice when you follow a team for a long mm-hmm. time and they have success. So Yeah. So. It'll be weird. I'm assuming the bandwagon is going to grow. It'll be weird seeing one of my teams be that bandwagon team, because that's never really happened to me before. <laughs> Just be sure to tell them that you were there first. And yeah. You were, you were there long before they jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah. So, Well, let's make the transition, Shane, to basketball. It is, uh, it is January. It's cold. It's, it's a good time to be a basketball fan because you get to go inside. But a lot going on with JMU basketball. Let's start with the women. Um, they had a good trip last weekend. Uh, we're talking on Thursday. They had a southern trip. They bounced back from that loss at Towson. So sort of recap us with Jamie basketball on the women's side. Yeah, like, pretty much just like you said, they lost a game at Towson where they just frankly didn't show up for the first you know 20 minutes 25 minutes or so of that game um got down by 21 points and then then chipped away at that lead um you know they've had a couple of those games over the past couple of years where they've been the more talented team and just haven't came to play um, which was going to happen with you know college age players from time to time you know i'm sure but it's a little disappointing when you look at how much further ahead they are than the rest of the CAA in terms of talent, depth, everything else going undefeated in a conference play wasn't out of the question at all. And they got that first loss, but right. then they, they turned around, they beat a UNC Wilmington team that always gives them a lot of trouble. They're, they're better than UNC Wilmington, but that's just a kind of matchup where they, you know, grind it out. They, you know, create a few mismatches. They always keep it close against JMU. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't surprising to see that be a single-digit game. And then they just played, you know, one of their best games of the season mm-hmm. down at Charleston, yeah. a team that, you know, knocked off a good Drexel team earlier this year. Right. So that's not an easy place to go play. And they, you know, really just lit it up from start to finish in that one. 
you've probably talked about this in the past, but what is it like for, for coaches in the CA when you're playing two games in three days? Um, you obviously only have a day to prepare for that second game. Just kind of what's, what's Sean's approach to something like that? And, and being on the road, does that make it easier? You know, I've talked to – I've actually talked to uh, Lou Rowe about that a little bit more, whether it's a little bit easier on the road. And, you know, there are some things, you know, you know – where your guys are 24 hours right, a day, right. you know, when you're on the road, you're in the hotel. It's a little bit of a bonding experience, mm-hmm. riding a bus, staying in a hotel, you know, having your study halls in a, you know, ball, hotel sure. ballroom yeah, or right, whatever. Right. It's, it's a little bit different. And maybe the focus is there a little bit more than when you're home, you're around, you mm-hmm. know, your girlfriend's families are coming into mm-hmm. town things like that. And it, it's, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, there, there's always, you know, the road atmosphere and things to, you know, contend with, but, um, JMU is a good enough team on the women's side to, you know, be expected to win regardless of where they're playing. Sure. Um, and then they enjoy like a big home court advantage more than most right. in women's basketball. Um, so I don't know if they necessarily have a preference going on the road or, you know, being at home, but that two games in three days, I'd say it's more of a physical challenge mm-hmm. almost yeah. at this point yeah. for them, mm-hmm. just you know, kind of be recovered, especially if they have some players banged up and things. But you've always got an assistant coach working ahead on that, you know, scouting board. It's, right. You right. know, you look at this week; they're playing, you know, Hofstra Friday and Northeastern on Sunday. Mm-hmm. One assistant coach will be assigned to have that scouting report for Northeastern Correct. ready to go. Right. So, um, you know. And I know Sean always, you know, reports back to his office almost as soon as he's done with the uh, press mm-hmm. conference on, mm-hmm. you know, those Thursdays mm-hmm. and has some late nights. So they, they get ready to go right. pretty easily. And, it, yeah. and I think coaches also kind of like that to a degree because it's a little bit of a tournament situation right. prep. Yeah. You yeah. know, they, they've taken that approach on various things, whether it's, um, you know, you're playing an 11 a.m. weekday game because it's school children night at wake forest or whatever it happens to be you know those aren't the kind of things coaches necessarily like but they can look at it as like well we might have to play an 11 o'clock game sure in the caa tournament so you know we'll we'll be ready for that well let's talk about some of the personnel on the women's side they've had an injury to one of their key players i believe and also um with that you did a really good story it's going to run tomorrow on some of their freshmen so what's the personnel situation right now for the for the dukes you know just talked to you know sean o'regan yesterday um about that and he's been you know fairly happy with the injury situation because they've had some of those nagging things that'll keep player out for a game or two and they've had to readjust and get some people some minutes that they might not normally get but they haven't had any of those devastating things where oh man we've got to play for three weeks without our best shooter or anything like that so i think he feels fairly fortunate on that they are playing without kayla cooper williams right now i was it's up in the air whether she'll be back for, you know, one or two games mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, it's not a serious injury with her, but you know, the kind of thing where they're, uh, you know, being cautious, um, mm-hmm. getting her nurse back to health. She was all smiles before they practiced yesterday. So it doesn't seem to be anything that's, you know, too devastating. But, it, you know, like we kind of alluded to, uh, that gives some of their younger players an opportunity to play and, or play different roles. You know, Kiki Jefferson somebody who's been playing big minutes all year started most of the season but they might ask her she's 6-2 but a little bit more of a perimeter player they might ask her to do some different things mm-hmm. without their center in there and she really hit the boards hard you know in their most recent game had 12 
rebounds at Charleston. Um, and then Rain Tucker was a mm. freshman who's really just kind of coming along. And, you know, at the end of the year, you might look back and she's only averaged, you know, if she continues to score a little bit more, she might raise that average a little bit. But right now she's averaging about two points a game, right. averaging a few rebounds a game. Her numbers are not going to be extraordinary, but you're seeing that talent and you're seeing that she's, um, you know, kind of next in line behind Kayla Cooper Williams mm. in terms of being that, you know, shot blocker, the rebounder, the person who, you know, really gets a lot done and will kind of, you know, grow offensively as the more time she spends in the program. Yeah, I don't know much about Rain, but I know her high school program is kind of right down the street where I've been living for a long time. Riverdale Baptist plays a national schedule, so you think if you can play with them as a senior, you're probably going to be prepared to play in college, right? Yeah, yeah, and, you know, she was. There's just a lot of depth on this team. She came in where, um, you know, you know, frankly – she came in where there was two post players returning. They were both seniors. They both had good seasons last year. And as the season goes on, she's getting a few more minutes than, you know, Devin Merritt, especially mm-hmm. com- depending on the matchups for another team. If it's, you know, a team that likes to get up and down the floor, you know, Rain Tucker is probably a little bit better mm-hmm. matchup in that situation. Um, but she's also, you know, just, she's a talented player. She's a really good athlete. Um, I always hate, to be one who like has to make a direct comparison from player to player, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's, it's it, it can be lazy sometimes to right. say like, Oh, yeah. she's the next so-and-so, but the similarities between her and Kayla Cooper Williams are so strong. It's hard. And mm-hmm. there's kind of so close, like Kayla really, I think she recognized those similarities right away and kind of took her under her wing mm-hmm. and said like, yeah, we can, we can do something here. We can, you know, help you come along. And the, the similarities between them, just their shot blocking ability, their rebounding's are almost exactly the same size. Um, it's it's just kind of striking how she's almost mm-hmm. you know the younger version. Yeah, and, that's interesting. You know, yeah. can see her developing the same way. Before we transition to the JMU men, let's talk about the two games this weekend uh, here with the women. Uh, Hofstra coming in on Friday night. And then Northeastern, I believe, on Sunday. Am I right on that? Yeah. Hofstra is not the program they used to be, right? No, they've struggled the last couple of years. Um, you know, I didn't get into it very much in the uh, preview story for this game because the teams that are going to be on the court tomorrow night are much different than the teams that were on the court in the CAA quarterfinals mm-hmm. last year when mm-hmm. Hofstra knocked JMU off just because they've lost some players. They've got a new coach, um, and JMU was playing – without several of their best players at the time because of injuries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even talking to Sean, you know, the revenge factor isn't really there just because it's not the same situation. He's like, you know, he doesn't even necessarily consider a true upset. He, you know, it wasn't their best came out and beat our best in his mind. Um, You know, there was just teams were not playing their normal rosters. Mm -hmm. And he feels like, you know, it's going to be so different that it's not even something that's really registering that it's the same Hofstra team, yeah. the same Hofstra program that beat them last year. Um, it, you know, almost maybe more worried about, you know, trying not to overlook a team that hasn't won a CAA game, mm-hmm. but maybe that seeing the Hofstra on the Jersey, any, you know, mm-hmm. memories that brings back might help that along. Right. And then the Sunday game, um, depending on what Northeastern does at Towson, where Towson has really, you know, stepped up as playing the way everybody kind of expected them to play this year recently after a rough start. Um, Depending on how that goes, that could be a game that's for first place in the CAA, you know, at this point, given that uh, JMU took that loss at at 
Towson and there's you know, three teams now that are four and one in the mm-hmm. conference and you know JMU and Drexel you kind of expected to be up there at this point Northeastern is a little bit of a surprise although Sean O'Regan has been talking all year about how, you know, he watched some of their non-conference games and maybe their record wasn't great, but that Mm -hmm. they were a team that he was a little bit concerned about being able to get it together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, let's make the transition to JMU men uh, and the CAA. Um, You ventured up to Towson last weekend. I'm glad you made it back. Kind of a dicey day weather-wise. You know, I'm sure it's always a nice opportunity to see JMU on the road. You might see Mm -hmm. things differently, but just kind of what did you take away from – from the game at, at Towson last weekend. Well, you know, you go up to Towson and it's always that same kind of game there. They, you know, in their home arena, especially, they're kind of able to establish that really physical, uh, grinded out style that they like to play. They've got guards who just go hard to the basket and they got big men who don't let you get anything easy if you try to go to the mm-hmm. basket. And that's, you know, the way it was. It was you know, looking like it was going to be a game in the forties, maybe the fifties when, um, halftime hit, uh, the pace picked up a lot in the second mm-hmm. half. And that was partially just because Towson was hitting everything they shot. It starts the second half and they built that big lead. JMU came back, but ended up being another conference loss. Um, which, you know, it's a little bit disappointing because they'd won two of three against Towson last year. Um, but, Knowing Towson was a tough place to play, it's just they dug that hole early in the conference schedule, and those kind of games are the ones you got to kind of start winning at this right. point if you're going to be able to turn it around at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're a few hours away from tip-off in Williamsburg. Uh, JMU at Williamsburg tonight. The Tribe, surprisingly in first place, surprising to a lot of people. But, you know, talk about the weekend for the Dukes, Shane, coming up. Yeah, it's um, it's a big weekend, you know. Um, William and Mary, they're six and one right now in conference play, but that last loss was at Drexel, and it was it was a blowout loss. They you know they got ran off the court against Drexel. Uh, kind of just signals how close this whole entire conference is. I haven't had a chance to sit down and add it up yet, but the number of point, the sheer number of points separating first place and last place cannot be very many. Mm. It, you know. They're all close games in this conference, basically. And we just mentioned that it was a blowout in that one. But for the most part, the average margin of victory is not very high in this league. Um, So that's it's a razor thin margin between, you know, being JMU right now where you're completely disappointed with your record or William and Mary where they're, you know, feeling really great about some of the road wins they have and they're in first place, you know, especially after, you know, how, how much do we get into their off-season coaching change? They, uh, you know, me, along with almost everyone who covers the conference, really hammered them for the decision to fire Tony right. Shaver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to say whether they would be in the same, you know, right. boat with or without him. Um, you know, Dane Fisher obviously was able to um, inherit – you know, three, four really solid players, especially those two big guys right. that, you know, mentioned in the preview story for this one, uh, Nathan Knight, who's, you know, really been one of the best players in the country this year. And mm-hmm. then Andy Van Vliet was a Wisconsin transfer. And I think maybe, you know, we didn't know exactly what they had there. We knew he, you know, averaged a few points a game at Wisconsin and was probably going to contribute. But the fact that he's averaging almost a double-double too yeah. is a little bit of a surprise. And that yeah. they're able to play them side by side so effectively is also, you know, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Just because so many teams have gone small, you kind of wonder if they were going to, like, 
you know, have one back up the other mm-hmm. or something and but they're playing together so so well. That's, you know, really been a key to their success. And then after tonight, then they, they had I guess a little further south uh, to Elon yeah. uh, over the weekend. What, what do we know about Elon? Elon is in a rebuilding year. I mean, frankly, that's, you know, what you got to call it. Uh, they're playing several freshmen key minutes. They have a first year head coach, Mike Scroggie, who I think is going to do a really good job there. You know, you look at them already. They're competitive in games. They beat UNC Wilmington. Um, and they're playing all those freshmen, they're not going to have a good record this year, but you can see the building blocks for mm-hmm. what they're doing. They've recruited really well. Um, that's a game JMU has to win, though, at this point. You know, when you right. look at the schedule going forward, uh, it's not going to get much easier than playing against Elon in the CAA this year. And that's not, like I said, it's not a knock on, you know, Mike Scraggy or really any of the players they have there. They're just in that point of the rebuilding where JMU should be that much further along with the mm-hmm. guys they have right. and, you know, the experience they have. It's, you know, if they can't get at least one win this weekend, it's going to be tough to imagine any kind of turnaround happening. Yeah. Well, along those lines, um, Lewis Rowe talked to you and other reporters this week. He's been pretty open about his situation. What's the latest um, with Lewis Rowe? And some really interesting comments by some of his players this week as well, realizing they're just not – performing up to what they expected yeah i mean they don't shy away from the fact that this is not the kind of season that was expected of them um that they've you know for three and a half years now they haven't won under luro the way they um well i don't i won't say the way they were expected to because i think for at least the first two seasons they were given some leeway to you know kind mm. of bring in the guys and get it turned around. Uh, they think they expected a little bit more of them last year, but they showed some flashes of potential. Then with those four starters coming back, nice recruiting class coming in, they were expected to be a team that would compete in the mm. CAA, probably have a winning record in the CAA, and right now they're one and six. It's just mm-hmm. it's a big disappointment. And as we've hinted, there is a razor thin margin between winning and losing in some of these right. games. It's, you know, do they keep a double digit lead? Do they, you know, win a close game that comes down to the final minute? They traded the lead back and forth in the final minute with Delaware. They gave up a 14 point lead at home to Hofstra. And when those two games, things look a lot different right, right now yeah. um, for Lou and for the entire situation. But, you know, it's also kind of a bottom line business. You, sure. you yeah. got to win, and sure. they're not winning right now. Coach did address his situation this week with you and some other reporters. Just kind of talk a little bit about that, how he's handled that situation, and, and kind of where you see this going at this point. Yeah, I mean, he knows there are fans, there are people who, you know, are calling for his job. You see the situation at UNC Wilmington, in a, I guess it's a couple of weeks ago at this point. Um, they fired C.B. McGrath in the middle of the season. Some you know, fans and people will say, well, does that open the door for JMU to make a change in the middle of the season? I, I don't think that's going to happen. It's a little bit different situation. You've got an alum as your head coach. You have a guy who's done, you know, other than winning the game, the guy who's done everything right. There's no mm-hmm. hint of scandal. There's mm-hmm. no player attrition, anything like that. The right. players love him. It's a different situation than what UNC Wilmington mm-hmm. was looking at where, for whatever reason, I don't know the ins and outs of it, whatever reason – whether it was C.B. McGrath's fault or not, players were leaving that program left and right. And, you know, just something had to kind of change, whether it was at the end of the season or the middle of the season. And as hard and as good as they've played in those games since C.B. left, um, 
it kind of you know justifies the situation. It seems like they really responded to mm-hmm. their interim coach. It's a different situation at JMU. Nothing is going to happen until after the season's over. I'd be shocked. Um, but if things don't turn around quickly, it's hard to imagine them not making a change before moving into a new arena. You've given him four years to kind of get things going. He's got all his own players in now. Uh, you know, you know, maybe it's just a situation where he wasn't a very experienced head coach when he came in here. He, or he wasn't an experienced head coach at all. He mm-hmm. wasn't even a super experienced assistant coach. He hadn't worked in any of the major programs or necessarily under, you know, you look at his, what the coaching tree, his lineage is, you know, he played for some really good coaches, Lefty Drizel, you know, Lon Kruger when he was at Florida. Mm-hmm. And he played uh, for Eric Musselman when he was a pro in Europe, hmm. but he didn't worked under any of those mm-hmm. big name coaches where, yeah. you know, maybe that was the learning experience he needed hmm. before getting a job like this. You know, I, I frankly, I would not be surprised if someday down the line, cause he's still a relatively young head coach. He's a successful head coach, mm-hmm. you know, getting mm-hmm. another chance somewhere, but you know, it's, looking less and less likely that that's going to happen at JMU. Like, you know, yeah. they took a chance on an alum, but maybe, you know, it was just a little too early in his career for that. And we know with social media today, there's always going to be fans out there that are going to call for changes no matter what time it is in the season, right? Yeah, and, you know, there'll be calls for changes, you know, unless you're a national championship caliber team. Right. Sometimes even right. then, like, you know, there are fans who – you know, are so high and low with every, you know, game, every, you know, every half of a game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes their, you know, emotions are running so high, but you know, the sample size is getting larger and larger and the record's not getting any better is the bottom yeah. line for it yeah. right now. Yeah, you're right. Well, as we wrap up, um, you've touched on some teams around the CA on the men's side, anything else, you know, we, we see William Mary at, in first place, which is a surprise. Anything else around the league that steps out or, or you know, to you almost midway through the point of this, this season? Probably just that, you know, besides William and Mary being at six and one and then JMU, Elon and UNCW each having one win, it's, you know, as jumbled as expected in the middle there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only it's only a couple games difference between, you know, first place and seventh place. And, you know, that's the thing for JMU when they look at it going forward is why they still have some time to change things. Right. It's just gotta happen quickly. You know, you looked at last year, they were two and eight in the CAA. Mm. And they go into that final weekend of the season, they're going to play Elon and William and Mary. And if they won both of those games, there was a chance they'd have gotten the number two seed in the tournament. (laughs) That's how jumbled the conference has Mm -hmm. been for the Mm -hmm. last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, They ended up losing both of those games and, you know, playing in the play in rounds and everything. Uh, But, you know, the season's not over necessarily, but you're running out of time. And I think fans definitely did not want to see this type of thing again, where it's like, we played so bad, but we kind of turned it around a little bit down the stretch Mm, and then, you know, use that for optimism for next year. And they needed to be more consistent throughout the season and it just hasn't happened. But, you know, you look at teams like Drexel, you look at Delaware, um, they're also bunched up Hofstra Northeastern. They're also bunched up, you know, anybody could finish anywhere at this point. It's kind of crazy when you think of, you know, trying to predict what's going to happen 
over the next few weeks. Sure, and, and just a reminder, a lot of fans probably know the men's tournament will be in Washington, D.C. at, at the first, uh, the second Saturday in March when it starts. So not too far away from us here in Harrisonburg. Um, obviously, yeah. you don't, you know, anything can happen in a tournament, but you certainly don't mm-hmm. want to have to go to a tournament hoping to win, what, three or four games to, to get, you know, to get an automatic bid. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, having to win that fourth game, you know, even as, you know, closely bunched, Really, you, you look at the talent across the board, there's seven, eight teams that it wouldn't be a shock if they could win the conference tournament. But at least, you know, if you're saying seven or eight teams, at least a couple of those would have to win four games to do it. And that's right. just that much harder. Yeah, yeah. Well, Shane, thanks a lot. Is there anything you want to add about JMU basketball or CAA, CAA basketball as we talk here on a Thursday in late January? No, you know, I think um, – you know, it's just uh, going to be interesting to see how situation goes and, you know, see if, you know, in-game adjustments and things get oh, any better for JMU. Because, uh, you know, I, I will add this. You look at, you know, where Lou Rose stands as a coach right now and you look at how razor thin the margin for wins and losses are. Um, he's done a great job recruiting. He's brought in good quality people to the program. He's been a good ambassador for the university. And, you know, frankly, from where I sit, he's done a pretty good job developing players. Guys like Darius Banks, Dwight Wilson have gotten a lot better and they have pretty decent game plans coming in, Mm -hmm. you know, each game, you know, they have, you know, strategies. They tend to play well, compete really hard in the first 15 minutes. It's just those in-game adjustments where a more veteran coach may counter with this. What does Lou counter with next? And they're they're not winning that battle mm-hmm. so often. You see it when they come out to start the second half. You see it, you know, later in games. And that's you know when I say I think he could be a successful head coach someday. That's probably like would be my main criticism of where he is right now. Mm-hmm. That you know, you look at somebody who's doing several things right the difference between winning and losing is maybe just one little thing and it, it, it it's tough to watch and you, you feel bad for a lot of people involved I, th- I think the other thing we don't talk a lot of fans only talk about the head coach we don't see the assistant coaches and what their role is and scouting and and that's important but yeah. it, obviously it's the head coach that that takes the fall for something like this yeah yeah i mean and he knows the uh bottom line is with him and mm-hmm. you know i think it's probably tough for him to look at it that way just because you know these guys you know some of these people you know will if a change is made in march some of these people have only been here for nine months and then they're mm-hmm. uprooting their lives <laughs> again yeah, and yeah. it's you know it's kind yeah. of a you know tough situation but but uh that's the uh business of college basketball too right well shane thanks for really great insights on both the men and women at jmu around the league um we'll hopefully do this again soon and um in the meantime, I guess your Chiefs just have to have a few days to, to get ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I appreciate it, Dave. Great, great. Thank, Thank you, you, Shane. Thanks.